Welcome to Riverdale. Welcome to Riverdale. This is the Carefree Black Nerd review show of all things Archie and the Archie universe over on the CW. Make sure when you're listening to this episode, you use that hashtag WTRPod. And when you're watching Riverdale live, live tweet with that same hashtag WTRPod for Welcome to Riverdale. Uh, yeah, so Riverdale, we're back. Season been, you know, hitting, slapping, doing all that or whatever. Uh, I... I think I'm more invested in it than I was before. I wasn't really interested in Riverdale after last season. Like I said, I ended a couple episodes early, apparently before this big final fight, which I'll go back and revisit sometime, I'm sure. Now, my concern with Riverdale is that they're going to lose me again. And it's not that it's not an interesting show. It's just, it seems that they fail on a lot of different areas. And, you know, I'm pro-black all day long, fist in the air, melanin popping and all that good shit. But that aside, a lot of the times it feels as if they're making a show and they're just handing scripts out to whoever's walking by. And they're like, pick up on this storyline. Or they just leave shit there. So I'm hoping this season is a more tight, uh, controlled season. They're talking about some shit that I don't really care about, like this Gargoyle Man and Gargoyle King or whatever. But whatever, we'll get there. Now, this is uh, chapter, this is episode, <laughs> season three, episode two, uh, which is chapter 37, Fortune in Men's Eyes. I don't know what this season's titles are in reference to, but, you know, if you do know, hit me up using the hashtag WTRPod. Now, um, I'll say this, not even a full three minutes in, and I was already side-eyeing the hell out of this episode. Now, Archie is... Of course, the main character in this ensemble cast, it's clearly focused around him, even though the so is Riverdale and not Archie. We all know he is the star. So I'm all for, you know, putting him on a pedestal or whatever, but do it in a way that makes sense. Archie has just enrolled into the juvenile delinquent facility of fine arts or whatever, where the funny thing about this goddamn show <laughs> is that they can't. It's like, OK. Season one, Archie was like a, a troubled musician and slept with the, uh, or was taken advantage of by the music teacher and went through all this shit. And we kind of like fell off of this whole Archie is a musician thing. So when he gets to juvenile, the first thing that the warden does is like call him of all people. Like, why are you singling him out out of all these people? There's at least five other people on the bus with him. But they pull him off to the side and let him know that there is a music room somewhere on campus that is never being used. I find that hard to believe. Yes, I've never been a juvenile. I've never been in prison or jail. But, and I say but <laughs> pretty uh, uh, um, strongly, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Because how in the hell do you have these people cooped up in a place forever in a day? And you mean to tell me nobody in this entire facility would want to go to this music room? Fast forward in the episode, Archie ends up on top of a stage, like, practicing guitar. This is not a very small music room. This is a huge ass. Oh, it looks like it's a gym with a stage on it. So you mean to tell me all of these young men 
in this juvenile detention facility are only working out outside and playing basketball. Nobody is accessing the other parts of this juvenile facility that they are allowed to be in until Archie comes along. I was like, ugh. The way they center him is so fucking ridiculous. Like, come on. You don't expect me to believe this. Um, Let's see. So moving on, we get to Betty. And I know I'm not the biggest fan of the main four, Betty, Jughead, Veronica, and Archie. But looking at this show, I'm like, you, Betty is one of the true victims in this fucking show. Now, um, <clears throat> now her victimness or whatever may be karma from the shit she did before in subsequent seasons before. But her crazy ass mom and her sister, Polly, like, first of all, fuck Polly. I'm not a fan. Uh, zero out of ten would not recommend. Polly, I like that she's getting more screen time this season, but I am not a fan of hers, and I don't really care for whatever the hell she got going on. This whole cult leader shit that her and her mom are doing to Betty and are like dabbling in on their own is really, um, really terrifying. Because when you think about it, like this girl found out, and I'm through context clues that her dad was a murderer. And then her mom went from this strong alpha female to like this dealing and coping in her own way to like joining a cult that your sister was already a part of with your niece and nephew or nephew and nephew, whatever the twins that you never saw because what is it? Ulysses and Dagwood, what kind of names? Um, They're already a part of this cult. And now you are on the fringe and not even to say that Betty's normal, but you're on the fringe with like no one to relate to in your own home. It's just, it's sad. Um, Like I said before, I think it's surprising that she's even still standing, that she's even still here, no Tisha Campbell. Uh, So where I was kind of removed from the show, uh, there, we we cut back to Archie and he's in the facility and he gets, you know, introduced to his cellmate who is a very, very handsome black boy. Um... I say boy because this is a juvenile facility and everyone is supposed to be juvenile, so under the age of 18. But everybody in this facility is, the youngest person is probably 29 and a half. Like, <laughs> that's just the ma- the fact of it. Um, we meet Mad Dog, and he's this black guy who kind of, I guess, is supposed to have a chip on his shoulder or have a bad attitude or whatever. But I'm thinking, like, you're in juvenile. Though the show is treating it like it's full-blown prison, I've never been a juvenile. Who knows what goes on there? So I'm willing to accept this reality that they're giving us. But, man, it was, I mean, I've seen enough Oz. I've seen enough uh, Law & Order. I've seen enough uh, Lock Up. I've seen enough true crime shows to kind of get a feel for what Mad Dog was. And so he um, had a bunch of posters and books and stuff. And the first thing when I saw his sale, I was like, okay, well, Everybody must have some kind of trinkets from home. This isn't prison. Like, this is a juvenile facility. So maybe you can have pictures of family, books, or whatever. But what the show kind of revealed later on is that Mad Dog was a special kind of inmate. So he was able to have all these things. Well, with that being said, I was like, well, why would he have a cellmate, i.e. Archie? Then I thought, okay, well, maybe, you know, they're prepping or grooming him to pass on whatever position he is to on to the next person. I I don't know. It's whatever. I was grasping at straws. Now, depending on how they treated Mad Dog was going to determine if I liked this show or not, if I would stay in it. Because it never fails that when it comes to a person of color, ah, they drop the ball so much. Now, um, we get to 
um, Betty and Jughead deciding to take on some case of the Gargoyle King because Dilton and his little boyfriend slash friend or whoever this motherfucker was like drank this poison drink and I think Dilton died and my concern or my issue is why would you kill off Dilton like yeah he's not a main character he's kind of a guest star but he's a staple in the Archie universe like he is a character who exists firmly in that universe why would you kill him and um not this like Brett person or whatever like whoever this guy is his teammate I don't think he's a part of the Archie universe um I've never heard of him if he is he's a more recent incarnation of a person or recent um creation rather so I don't know but we ultimately find out that he essentially was killed off so that Betty and Jughead could have something to do that they could search his bunker and try to find answers to whatever questions and that really rubbed me the wrong way because it feels lazy like you kill off one of your men now I'll say this, killing off Jason Blossom was something entirely different. And though we, the audience, were never met him uh, like we met the other characters, he was still such a heavy character that his death did have weight to it. Killing off Dilton was just like, why would you? Like, I, it didn't feel severe. It just felt like, oh, they got rid of him so that Jughead and Betty could find, could solve a mystery, which is like, were y'all cooling on that? Like, it's... I don't know. I just, this world, sometimes it's easy to accept the rules that they're presenting us with or the terms. And other times it's just like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, so Betty is studying at school and I don't know. She gets seduced or talked at by this raggedy looking redhead who is father Edgar never whatever. The, the cult at the farm where her mom and sister spend all their time, <clears throat> excuse me, she's the daughter of the head person. Now, they don't call it a cult. Betty does, but it's clear that this is a cult. This is not a, I don't know. This ain't just some farm, rehab farm. This is something else. Um, I found out this episode that apparently Veronica owns Pops. I don't, I don't know. If you have some backstory on it, you know, and without me having to go back and watch the last, like, six episodes of last season, tweet me, you know, WTR pod, carefree blurred at WTR pod, and let me know what's up, because I was like, what the fuck? Uh, so, she gets on Cheryl's case, because her concern is, well, Archie's in prison, I need to step up and take charge and be the principal, of, or the president of the school until he gets back. And I'm like, I get, like, standing by your man, and, you know he's innocent, so you want to clear his name. I'm fine with all that. But all this extra shit she going through, like Cheryl said, like, bitch, I need this for college, you know, to look good on my transcripts. Archie's not getting out anytime soon. Even if he does, what the fuck does it matter? Like, you don't inherit this position because you're his girlfriend or vice president or whatever. This is, no, and this is also high school presidency. This isn't, it's such a weird thing. Like, I want to hold on to his legacy until he gets back. What the fuck? Like, once he gets back, he would have missed so much school. He probably has to repeat this grade or or, or uh, actually take the grade because you guys are going to be walking across. The t- it's just such a it's like they're towing the line between this being a high school teen angst drama and some primetime adult show. It's like you can't keep going back and forth like this. This is very weird. Um, so in the midst of all this, Betty and Jughead end up at Brett or Ben or whoever 
Dilton's little boyfriend was at his uh, hospital room. And let me tell you something. Detective Mineta walked in, and that motherfucker is fine as hell. I'm so happy that we get a kid. One, it's a person of color. It's a black man. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that he is black because he very much looks like a black man or a biracial black man. Um, I like that he has this attitude, this kind of chip on his shoulder. I don't know where the transition came about where uh, Sheriff Keller was no, lo- lo- no longer sheriff, excuse me, and Detective Mineta has taken his place or is a stand-in or what. But I like that he's not taking shit from these kids. He in the room like, look, you motherfuckers, what are you doing here? Uh, just like, I, I, I like that there is an adult figure, regardless of race, but I am happy that he's a handsome black man. But regardless of race, I'm so happy to see that there is an adult who is putting his foot up these kids' ass, asses. Why are y'all just, why everywhere I go to do my job, you motherfuckers is there already? Why are y'all interfering in this investigation? Why are you here? Why are you not in school? Why are you not studying for SATs, ACTs, college exams, or trade schools or something? Why are you not doing anything other than messing around in this investigation? That makes no sense. I'm sick and tired of these damn kids. So we um get back to the prison or the juvenile facility and Mad Dog is pretty much, you know, talking to Archie or because Archie's like, oh, well, how do you how do you have any of these books and these posters and this and that and what's going on? And he's just like, you know, I had a girl, I had a family, I had this, I had that. And then one day she just was not able to visit anymore. One day this was gone and one day this was gone, which made my heart hurt because though this is a fictional story, seeing this black boy in this space, this prison, you know, for all intents and purposes, telling this fictional story, that is a real story. Shit happens. Now, in the context of the show, it might be a a lot different because it's like, you know, these were taken from me so that I could serve a certain purpose. But this happens all day, every day. This happens to both innocent and guilty people alike. But the fact that it's Always a black man, like this Mad Dog character. Ultimately, we find out that Mad Dog is more or less a title, and it's not even this person's name. Like, he held the position of Mad Dog in this prison, but we don't know why. And so Archie's going to become the next Mad Dog, spoiler alert. But taking a step back to the original black Mad Dog, my concern or my fear or heavy hardness or whatever was because... We knew we know nothing about this actual person. And if this black boy who's getting Skittles in a drink and a hoodie or some boy that was mistaken as somebody else at a corner store or any number of things, innocent or guilty, ends up dead or shot or thrown in jail, then it's always pulling up these bad images of what this person did back in the day. They smoked a cigarette, they smoked some weed, he had his pants sack and he put his middle finger up to the camera and you don't get that same treatment when it comes to other races, i.e. white people. No matter how young you are, or how old you are, excuse me, as a white man, you're referred to as a boy or a child or a kid or, or a horse playing or whatever in the media where it's the same exact action by a literal child that is a brown person is like, oh, this man, this thug, this whatever. And it's, it's so frustrating. And though this is a show and it's a fictional show, if we do not see any resolution with Mad Dog or him fleshed out a little bit more, Though he may have been a placeholder for Archie's position of whatever, it still is going to feel 
kind of disgusting to me. Now, if you think I'm thinking too deep into this, that's fine. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but art imitates life. And a lot of the things that we see on TV, this media is being consumed by people across the fucking globe. People are watching Riverdale in other countries. So if Riverdale, in addition to shit that you see on the news or little depictions like this of black people are all you're getting in these uh, kind of international shows, and you don't get stuff that's backed and created by people of color to give your actual representation of what the person is, then those are the images that are being put into the minds of these people in other countries, which goes to further perpetuate this idea that black people are thugs, black people, you know, are violent, are angry, are overly sexualized. And so you get that worldwide uh, truth that dark-skinned people, i.e. black people specifically, are the, and black women, but more specifically, are the most disrespected people in the world and it's like so again so this may seem like it's a bit deep or a bit of a reach but Riverdale is being seen on Netflix internationally so I don't know it's just I just feel like it's I can't I can't just see this character this black person this black male this black body on this show existing in the position that he does and not address that that it just feels it feels if we don't get a resolution or if we don't see him again and get more fleshed out and more about him and not just to serve the story of Archie, it's just going to feel like another flop. Just like how they fucked over um, Josie from seasons before. It's like, I don't know, I don't know, whatever. So uh, moving on. <clears throat> so Jughead and Betty, after like investigating a bunch of shit, show up to uh Betty's house and I was on Alice team from the first episode of the first season then shit kind of went sideways I was like ah, I'm kind of side-eyeing you but I still kind of get where you're coming from so I was team Alice for a minute although I was a little bit low-key with it at times this is one of those times that though I think she's acting wild as the fuck she made some very valid points her and FP Alice and FP were waiting for the kids to get to her place which they did and they immediately sprung up, they being FP and Alice are like, you know, what the fuck going on? Where y'all been? Y'all fucking playing around. So they're arguing back and forth. <clears throat> and Alice says, you know, you out there doing all this shit, you're going to have another seizure. She didn't tell Jughead and FP didn't know as well. So they were kind of stunned and Jughead turns to her and is like, oh, well, you had a seizure and you didn't. And you didn't tell me? And Alice says, yes, because you keep dragging her into all these murder investigations and shit. And Betty was upset with her, like, oh, you just, you ruin everything in this and that. Cool, that's fine, girl. Be mad, but understand that regardless to how crazy or odd your mother is acting with this whole cult shit, it doesn't change the fact that you had a seizure. You didn't, Adderall, or not dealing, you're taking Adderall, and you're, you're taking these over the counter drugs. You're immersed in all these different mysteries and shit. I don't know who's making good grades in school or if anybody even like it's it's a lot of shit going on and in addition to the bullshit that she's dealing with at home you also are trying to solve murders and shit like yeah that probably has something to do with it like i think that as a parent that that makes sense that she's concerned that you out all hours of the night trying to solve fucking crimes like you're a sophomore, I think. I don't even know what grade these motherfuckers are supposed to be in. Because Cheryl was definitely older than them at the beginning of season one. Now they all happen to be graduating, it seems, to be in the same graduating class. Which brings me to my other point. What the hell are they going to do with this show after motherfuckers graduate? Does it then become a 90210, Melrose Place type of... Like, are we all going to the same school? Like, what is... It's like they... 
these folks should have probably started off as sophomores or freshmen. It seems like that junior senior thing ain't working out. So, yeah. Uh, also, juvenile detention center. No, again, these are fully grown people. Uh, one of the ghoulies stepped up and was like, after Archie tried to make this compassionate speech to rile everyone up to you know stop fighting and we're just doing what they want us to do. He was like, yeah, I haven't. Um, I dropped out of school at the fourth grade. I was like, eh, okay, that's. That's a bit much. We didn't we didn't need to know that. But the, what pisses me off about this show is that <clears throat> I think the writing they're not there's not enough experience. It seems to me that there's not enough lived in life experience in the writers' room. It seems like because you it's like you want us to take this show seriously, but then you give us this lighthearted whatever. You know, we don't we don't take ourselves too seriously, but then you also do. And then, like I said, you're jumping between this being a teenage drama to this like primetime adult eight o'clock show. It's 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 it feels disjointed. It does. It feels like it's trying to be a lot of different things. And sometimes it hits its mark and sometimes it doesn't. The idea that Archie is going into a juvenile detention facility and they have a gigantic, ginormous ass music room where no one ever uses this equipment to the point where it's collecting dust and you're the first person to come in here and and do anything. Why wouldn't we just repurpose that room into being something else more useful? Because now we're heating and cooling and paying rent on this place, this space that we're not getting any use out of. Additionally, Archie is like rolling up the masses like we don't have to fight. We could be better than what they think and this and that. So no one before Archie has tried this because he's trying it or bringing it up. Now it's successful. It's so weird. So he gets them together to do a football game and like the winner captain of the team gets his new shoes. Whatever. Stupid. Because apparently he got his shoes robbed from him earlier in the show. Didn't care. Um, He does all that and. And uh, Veronica visits him and her and Josie and Cheryl and all the vixens show up on the other side of the gate while these guys are playing football. And they do this whole number, which was so odd. I'm like, this is one of the things that I'm saying. Like, how do you. They're trying to give these boys a pep rally. Cool. Okay. What the fuck are you doing? Why are you guys on this? How are you even at this prison without being escorted off? You're a bunch of minors. You're all juveniles. Why are you here? How is this allowed? And then to turn on this radio and have this full-blown 5, 12-minute dance number. It's, it's, it's weird. Like, I get it, but I don't. Uh, I don't know. So, uh, Hiram pulls up. You know, Veronica says her piece, and he winks at the warden. And then the warden, in the middle of the football game, yells that it's a riot. Riot, uh... Security comes out, whoop everybody ass. Archie, however, he he fucks this motherfucker up. This man tries to stop him. He Archie went full berserker mode and he he whoops some ass. I was like, damn, Archie, okay, okay, boo, I'll say you. Um, and that ultimately ends up with Mad Dog being removed, uh, and then Archie being thrown in the cell by himself, and he's like asking, Oh, what happened to Mad Dog? And the security is like, oh, well, he um, he got hurt in the riot or killed in the riot or something. And they're essentially blaming it on Archie, which is, wasn't a real riot. But that is something an event that Archie threw, which was the football game, which was pointless. We didn't need that. Um, taking a couple steps back, we get um, Betty and Jughead investigating the Gargoyle King. Myrtle, not Myrtle, <laughs> Ethel is some princess in this, like, 
Dungeons and Dragons type board game that they're playing, which lead me to believe that Riverdale was trying to lean heavily into the uh, uh, Stranger Things of it all, which I'm okay with it because that is kind of the history of Archie comics. We do have Afterlife with Archie and Archie comics proper and Archie versus the Predator and Archie versus the Punisher. So we have that already established um, precedent for something like that, but I'm hoping that they do a better job with this than what they did with the Black Hood and everything else. Because uh, something that the coroner had said to Betty and Jughead about, oh, this is this is more darker than what happened to Jason Blossom and the and Black Hood combined. And I was just, I felt like now you're being cheap. Like to reference these two things as if you did a good job executing them, which you didn't. Jason Blossom kind of, I could kind of see that. But don't try to make this storyline so heavy and important based off of a storyline before where y'all dropped the ball several times. I just, I don't, I, I, you, you just, you don't, you didn't sell me on that. So that's, that's trash. Well, they, um, they being Arch, Betty and Jughead find Dilton's bunker after they had a run in with this gargoyle King who was like, kind of like a slender man and a, I don't know, the walking dead type of analog. And they, the reason being, Ethel sent them to a certain spot. That's where they met the Gargoyle King. Now, what I would have done is walk right into Riverdale the next day and start whooping her motherfucking ass, either yelling at her, cussing her out, or having Betty jump on her head. Because what the fuck you did was you sent us out here to this motherfucker, and now we could have gotten killed. We don't know what the fuck he got going on, but you send us to the wrong spot deliberately, and you didn't even show up when you like. They were better than me because I, I would have laid into her ass. She would have felt my wrath after that. Dark Betty and, you know, Serpent Jughead. We would have been, I would have been on her head. Um, So they, they being uh, Betty and Jughead, find out how to find Dilton's bunker on their own. Apparently Ben and Ethel were in a relationship. There was this like young scout who had went missing that was under the bed at the, it was such a weird, like, horror movie st- I'm I'm a, I'm good with that. Like I'm in it for that because I'm um I like the shockingness of it. I like this kind of darker turn that we're going in with the Riverdale thing and I hope that this Gargoyle King storyline is a much better storyline than the ones we've had before. Like again, I hope that Riverdale keeps it tight and keeps a good eye on the moving parts so that nothing's like left behind and you have to kind of wrap it up with a sentence or two four or five episodes from now, like our next season. I hope that that's not the case. Uh, once they go, they again being Betty and Jucky to um, chastise and get some answers from Ethel. She has like a seizure or it looks like she's kind of being controlled by like a voodoo doll. Her arm shoots up in the air. I thought she was having a heart attack, but it was a seizure, which I didn't look like a seizure to me. But uh, Betty looks up and homegirl from before the redhead, who is the daughter of the farm dude, is looking like peeking around the corner. And that was, eh. I was like, whatever. That It is what it is. Um, they called for help. That scene kind of faded out. Um, a really quick aside, because they didn't give this a whole lot of time, but it was in, weaving th- woven throughout the, the story. Kevin... And Moose, I guess they're a thing, kind of a thing, kind of not. It seems like they are maybe like friends with a emotional benefit as opposed to sexual. It doesn't seem like they're dating. 
Uh, what happened is Kevin has kind of been on Moose the whole episode, and he's been kind of playing him to the side because his dad, his being Moose, Moose's dad is uh, the JROT or the RROTC, which maybe they can't say JROTC. I don't know. Um, leader at the school, which is like Riverdale was just handing out jobs to different people and their parents. Um, so he, I'm assuming, is like a strict military dad who doesn't want to. A gay, queer, LGBTQ son, and so Moose is kind of doing the whole DL secret love thing. But it seems the show has it in reverse. Why this isn't laying for me or hitting for me, even with the emotional weight of it all, is that you've done all of this shit backwards. You've out. You have Kevin out here as this out and proud queer character who was hooking up with Moose in the beginning to the point where he was actively around Kevin for a while and people were just accepting that yes they they're a thing or they know each other it's and then you get to the second season where Kevin has this like sexual thirst that can't be quenched where he has to go out in the woods and hook up with strange men and then you're kind of trying to reel it back in this episode like oh you know we're two gay guys kind of kind of together but kind of not and we're so virginal and we want to break our virginity but it's you're doing it wrong you're doing it backwards it's like they're trying to play catch up this is what i mean when i say they don't treat characters of color and lgbtq and marginalized people in a tasteful way this storyline could have been done well if you had have started off at the beginning and did something that wasn't so stereotypical with Kevin, you wouldn't have this issue now because now it feels like we're really working in reverse to the point where Kevin realizes that the reason he can't be with Moose out and proud is because of his dad and this ROTC shit and whatever. So he joins the ROTC, which is like, what are we, this is like, you were an athlete, you... I don't know. I just don't like the way that this show is handling this character and this storyline. So I'm just, I'm going to leave it there. Hopefully next episode will be a lot better, but regardless, we'll, whatever. Um, it is what it is. Um, so we get a scandal style Illuminati meeting between the mayor, uh, Hermione, her husband, Hiram, uh, Sheriff Keller, um, McCoy, ex-mayor McCoy, Alice, FP, uh, Cheryl's mom, who no longer has burn marks and all that shit, and uh, Fred, Archie's dad, where they're like, oh, this thing is back. We swear we never do this again, and our kids are in danger and such and such, in reference to the Gargoyle King. And I am, I'm here for that. Like, this show, one thing that it does do well, I have to admit, is that these cliffhangers at the end, Though they might kind of fuck up a lot of the actual episode, once you get to these cliffhangers, good. So, the way it happened was the Kevin shit. No, okay. So, the Ethel shit with her arm fucking up and having a seizure. Right after that was the Kevin shit with him and kind of, I don't know, being hung up in love over this dude. And then right after that was that Illuminati shit. Like, the reveal was dope. Because we saw it was Hermione, but then when they pulled out and it was like the rest of the parents. Though that's kind of predictable, it's still... The situation itself was one that was unpredictable. And then we get to homeboy being at the hospital and apparently Jughead and Betty didn't figure some shit out. They run up to the hospital to go see him. And they're like, oh, you're not really with Ethel and such. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm with her. We're together, more together than you ever be. Whatever. He says, I can go and be with her now. Something to that effect. This motherfucker, first of all, this old ass hospital, why are the windows why, why can you open the windows? 
This man jumps out of the window onto the concrete. That fucked me. So that sequence of different scenes back to back fucked me all the way up. That being said, I, out of all the shit I talked this whole episode, I'm I'm back in this motherfucking thing. Um, so yeah, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know. Use the hashtag WTRPod. Uh, did I miss some shit? Did I put you onto some shit you didn't know? Did you like this episode or not? And the episode of Riverdale. Um, my favorite character of this episode, mm, Mad Dog, of course. Least favorite, Archie, as always. Um, a favorite scene of mine was pretty much anything with Mad Dog in it. But if I'm going to be honest, because of the shock value, it had to be one of those last two. Either that Illuminati scene, <clears throat> but I'll probably go with Homeboy being jumping to his death. Like, because it fucked me up and it pulled me right back in. Um... So, yeah, I mean, let me know, y'all, who's your favorite? You know, did you like this? Did you like that? Um, Are you looking forward to more episodes of Riverdale this season? Are you, you know, tapped out? Because I know I was, but I'm kind of hanging in there because these motherfuckers, they, they, they keep getting me. I try to get out, man, but they keep dragging me back in. I'm just trying to lead a life, man. <laughs> All right, y'all. So that's going to wrap up this second episode or chapter 37 of um, Riverdale. Welcome to Riverdale, which is fortune in men's eyes. Until next time, I want you to hit me up on Twitter, Carefree Blurred. Make sure you uh, email me if you don't want to do the public thing. CarefreeBlackNerd at gmail.com. All other subsequent social media sites, Carefree Black Nerd. And on Facebook, I do have a Facebook page. I'm trying to grow that little community if I can. I'm still kind of waiting in the water but go over to facebook and search carefree black nerd and you'll uh more than likely pull up my page the logo will be visible so go ahead give that a like and a share and all that good stuff uh make sure that you live tweet using the hashtag wtr pod or if you know listening to older episodes do that too i'd love to discuss any and everything with you guys so until next time stay carefree stay nerdy stay geeky stay out of riverdale and stay the fuck away from this juvenile prison And, um, shit, the Gargoyle King, too, I guess. All right.